So today we're going to talk about friendship love, or at least that is my plan, um, is to talk about friendship love. So if you remember going back to when we discussed uh, the four loves, we said that love, or I tried to teach you that love is kind of like a pyramid, and the bottom of that pyramid, that sounds like the millennial guy, right? <laughs> the pyramids are all, no. But the bottom of that, I've, I've been teaching this longer than millennials have been alive. That's, that's actually true. Uh, so I started teaching this series in 89. So that's, yeah, that's, 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 that's still Gen Xers, okay? But anyway, base of the pyramid is God's love, agape, right? This is sacrificial love. You remember there were three U's that I gave you, and that is that this, this love is universal, it is unconditional, and it is unselfish. This is the kind of love that you can offer to somebody that you just don't even really like. You don't really feel much affection for. But the definition, and this is the fund fundamental definition of love, period, and I want you to let this definition rest in your thinking so that you determine whether you love whoever it is, whomever it is, by this definition. Love is acting in the best interest of the beloved. The beloved is the person you choose to love, right? Acting in the best interest or, or acting, doing what's good for the person you choose to love. It's just that simple. So there may be feelings uh, that surround that. There may not be feelings that surround that. The next level up is what we're gonna talk about today. And this is uh, philia is the Greek word. I have said for many years philos because that's the actual Greek word for friend. And this is friend and family love. This is the love that we, that we have for our children. Uh, you do have this love for your spouse, but you also have the top level, which we're going to talk about next week, or it might be the week after. It depends on whether I need to split this message into two, because I'm not going to keep you here all day. Um, but nonetheless, uh, philia is the, the type of love that Plato, 400 years before Jesus, called the milk of human kindness. It is the love that is associated with family, and it is associated with friends. Right? But bear in mind, it's still a commitment to act in the best interest of the other person. Now, I think friendship has taken a real hit on the chin over the last, well, definitely during this time period that we've gone through the pandemic and we're all being separated. But I think even reading C.S. Lewis, I reread his chapter in The Four Loves on Friendship. And uh, I'm not going to just reiterate his chapter. I've thought through this for many, many years and, and tried to help us understand it from our cultural perspective. But even back when C.S. Lewis wrote that book, and this is you know, 50, 60 years ago, he was already saying that friendship had been on the decline for some time, real friendship, the kind of friendship that he's talking about. Now, if all goes according to plan, we talk about eros love next week, that's romantic love. That's really kind of taken the place, I think, of friendship as a love. In fact, oftentimes what uh, a young man or a young lady might say to someone who is interested in them in a romantic way is, no, I don't, I don't like you that way, right? Let's just be friends. And in so saying, it seems like friendship is kind of this lower level. Let's just be friends. I want to keep you out here. I, I don't want to get into all of those encumbrances and commitments, right? I'm not attracted to you like you're attracted to me and so forth. And we understand what they mean by that. But in a certain respect, once you, you start hearing what I have to say about friendship, it, it very much cheapens friendship, okay? Now, here's the other thing. Um, we have a lot of teenagers here today again, and I'm very grateful for that. Uh, I hope that you not only come, but that you will pay attention because this should be right up your alley, right? 
you guys are about relationships. This is the center of your world right now. Adults, family members, you know this. They want to be with their friends. They really don't want to be with you anymore. They like being out with their friends, right? But what is a friend? And what are some good ways of judging what a friend is? And further, I don't even know what you call this anymore. We used to call it dating, right? Do you even use this term anymore? Dating, right? We're going out, right? Whatever term you want to use, right? When you hook, I want you to say hook up. That's a bad <laughs> word, isn't it? See, that didn't used to have that connotation. It didn't used to have that. Yeah, I won't say that. When you connect, okay. When you commit something like that to somebody else and you start calling them, yeah, that's my man, uh, you know, that's my girl, whatever. Um, you're, you're together. That used to be uh, dating, okay? That, that was what we call it. This is, this is your boyfriend, this is your girlfriend. You, do you still use those terms? Boyfriend, yes. girlfriend, yes? Okay, yes. good. I'm looking at Aubrey because she is hip. She's in the dead center middle of it, I know. Oh, you are too, but you weren't looking at me and she was, All right? What I want to say is what I used to say to teenagers, and that is this. You are going to look at one of two models for that relationship with the boyfriend, the girlfriend. And one model is marriage, which is based on romantic love. Not just that, but that is the exclusive to marriage. And the other is friendship. Well, obviously, when you encounter someone that says, oh, I don't like you like that, let's just be friends. Then we're seeing friendship as something that doesn't belong in a boyfriend-girlfriend relationship. But they're called a boy what? Friend. friend. And a girl what? Friend. So really, friendship should be the basis of these relationships. So here's what I want to do. I want to offer this to you. Rather than marriage, rather than romance, rather than this very possessive, very exclusive love that belongs between two people that are ready to be married, that they're ready to you know, get into an engagement and be married. Why don't we look at friendship as a better model for you interacting with people, even people you're interested in, even someone you fall in love with, right? That means you're having all of these other feelings, these romantic feelings, this attraction and desire, all of these other feelings that are there. But what I'm trying to say is engage your, your, your head, your brain, right? Think through this rather than just letting your feelings control you. Put your feelings behind your thinking, right? So I try to help people understand you need to pursue the truth, right? The facts, and that's what I'm going to try to give you today. And then you have faith that follows those facts, and then your feelings follow that. Now, I'm not saying leave feelings out. I'm not saying you have to pretend like you're not attracted to someone, you're not interested in them. Um, and that's when you get heartbroken, by the way, when they're not interested in you in the same way that you're interested in them or, or it's at a different level, right? You're very attracted to them. Ladies, you're already imagining the wedding with that, with that guy, whatever it is. And he's just like, ah, no, I'm not ready for that, okay? I think that friendship is a far better model for interacting. Now further, those of you that are here and are like, I didn't know you were gonna be a youth minister again and just talk to teenagers, no. I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, but I started doing this teaching when I started this church. And then of course I had more than teenagers. I had married couples that were in the church. And one man who had recently divorced his wife said, you know what? Uh, my wife, and he named her name, and I were really never friends. We just didn't have anything in common. 
you know, we were attracted to each other, obviously, when we got married. Um, and, you know, we were intimate. We had two kids. But I would sit in one room and do one thing. She would sit in another room and do another thing. And we just never really did anything together. We, we just didn't have that much in common. So here's what I'm trying to help you understand. Even if you're already married, it is important for you to develop and nurture a friendship with your spouse. So with that in mind, let's kind of take a look at, uh, at these qualities. Now, I gave you uh, some, uh, everybody should have a bulletin. And uh, in your bulletin, there are seven letters, F-L-R-C-H-T-L, right? The way I remember that is it sounds like floor C control, all right? F-L-R-C-T-R-L, right? C-H-T-L, okay, yeah, I'm sorry, I did this differently before. Floor C Hotel, that's what it is, all right, H-T-L, right? So, I want you to see that friends make better lovers. So, number one, the first quality or characteristic of a good friendship is freedom, right? Freedom. Friends don't own each other. They are free to have other friends. I know, not in this church, I'm not thinking of anybody here, Right? But I know couples and have had experience with couples, married couples, who are jealous, usually the, the, the wife toward the husband, if he has other male friends. Now, I understand if he has female friends, right? But there is a, a jealousy in him spending time with some of his male friends. When the reality is, you all need to date. All right. When you're married, you need to continue to date. You need to continue to spend time together that's focused on your relationship. But you also need to let each other have friends outside that relationship, right? You can't be so uh, insecure in your relationship with your husband or your wife that you can't let them go out and spend time with other people or that you're constantly checking up on them. And by the way, uh, teenagers, this is really an indicator of a very unhealthy relationship uh, boyfriend-girlfriend relationship is when you're constantly checking up on them and you expect them to text you back within a nanosecond of the time you text them, right? Uh, you know, you want you want a picture of where they are at that point in time. I mean, th this kind of jealousy doesn't uh, indicate that there's a whole lot of trust there, right? So number one is freedom. And I think that you're going to find that this is going to dramatically change the relationship you have if you're a boyfriend and a girlfriend. Because one of the things that C.S. Lewis points out in his chapter, and I think is very definitely true, is that when you're friends, having another person come into the group and you know do something with you is not something that you don't want. It's something that you do want. It makes it more fun. It makes it more enjoyable. Because the focus, as we're going to see in a moment, is not on each other. The focus is in, in increasing that that relationship and that common interest that you have. So number one is freedom. Number two is likeness. Now there's an English word likeness that's just all one word, but I've separated this because I want you to understand that I'm saying it's likeness and it's not just that word likeness. Likeness means that two things are alike and this word can mean that, but what I'm trying to say here is friends have something that, it, that they have in common. They have something that they both like. Now I find it interesting that probably the, the best word in English for philia is the word like. Yeah, I like you. I really like you, right? And so you understand that that can have a whole lot of emotions behind it that can be approaching what you would normally say is love. 
but likeness. This is what I was referring to a moment ago when I talked about the, the, the couple that had been married for 20 years and then got divorced and said, well, we, we just had nothing in common, right? They liked each other. They liked you know, each other's physical appearance. They fell in love with each other, but they had nothing in common. They didn't do the same things. Now, what this is gonna mean is some of these barriers are gonna have to break down, right? She likes to do certain things and he doesn't like to do those things, but he needs to give in and learn to like some of those things, right? And the opposite is true as well. You've got to meet in the middle and learn. And what you'll find is if it's something that he absolutely hates and you keep dragging him to, then maybe you need to kind of pull off of that and do that with your girlfriends, okay? Um, you know, there, there's got to be things that you find that you can have in common that you like to do together. And this can be anything, right? This can be, there's a particular restaurant that you like to go and hang out at and, and enjoy, you know, the, the food and the atmosphere. You know, maybe it's a, a jazz club or something like that. There's any number of things. Maybe they both like sports, right? And so you can go and do that together. There's a lot of things, but you need to concentrate on developing that. Right? And this is what you should be doing as a boyfriend and a girlfriend. Find out what you both like and what you can do together and bring other teenagers, other young people, young adults into that, right? If you wanna stay out of danger and you wanna stay physically pure, all right, then you've gotta put yourself in a position where you're not tempted to go over the line. And if you're in a, you know, a group of people in a public place and you're all enjoying yourselves, then you're not gonna do stupid things. Well, some, some people do, right? And they, they kinda of do that for attention more than anything else. Right now, moving through these fairly quickly, uh, I have scripture for this as well, but I want to make sure that we're able to cover all these today. Uh, it looks like I'm moving quickly enough to where we should be able to move on to Eros love next week. Number three is absolutely essential, and that is respect. Respect. Um, friends don't take each other for granted. I've quoted uh, what I'm about to say for years and years, and it's not original with me. And here's the quote. Familiarity breeds contempt, right? When you get so familiar with someone that you fail to respect them, then this contempt starts to enter in. This, this lowering of the respect starts to become a, almost a disgust for certain things. So when you are in love with somebody, their, their quirky habits are endearing to you, right? So when you're in love with somebody, uh, you know, and, and, and it's a guy and he takes his shoes off and tosses them and you're like, oh, he's so cute. <laughs> and then you marry him and he's always taking his shoes off and kicking them across the room and he never picks them up. And you're like, that's annoying. <laughs> well, but baby, you used to think it was cute. No longer. <laughs> because first of all, I dealt with your foot stink and I don't want to deal with it any longer. Right. So whatever it is. Um, but this, this excessive familiarity can cause problems. Um, in scripture, I think it is in 1 Peter, uh, Peter tells women, continue to respect your husband. Be like Sarah, who called Abraham, sir. You're like, what? Oh, man, patriarchy. What are you teaching in here, Pastor Darrell? No, I think it's back and forth. You need, uh, friends need to respect one another. So I'm, I'm pointing it at married couples in this room uh, because I know that you're very familiar with each other, but I think that there just needs to be that level of mutual respect. Um, I like a quote, and uh, it was a quote that, in fact, uh, 
if there's a couple in this room that remembers their wedding, they will remember this quote. I'm not gonna get it exactly right. But Billy Graham talked about uh, what kept he and his wife, uh, Ruth Bell Graham, together for so many years. And he talked about having Jesus in their lives and how they loved each other and separate bathrooms, right? So, right, I get it, okay? That was their way of you know, saying, hey, that's your space. So tear it up, girl. Do whatever you wanna do with that. Um, you know? Yeah, the, then you don't have to worry about whether the toilet seat is up or down or, you know, yeah, what's going on with there. Um, the point is that there is this ongoing mutual respect. Now, I've, there are people in this church that I've known since they were teenagers. So I remember them as teenagers. It's, it's weird. When you get old, you know, you, th you, you just think, uh, you know, well, that's just all going to change. No, I still remember. I still remember Craig and Rachel as teenagers. And I'm not going to say stuff to embarrass them or whatever. Actually, they're beyond that. They wouldn't care anyway. Um, but, you know, all, many of you in this room, I, I remember when you, were, when you were younger, but I really, really try not to treat you like you're still that age, right? So, you know, I, I call Craig Pastor Craig. Um, and when he's in my karate class, I call him Senpai Wilson. When he's around students, I call him Mr. Wilson. Well, I could just say, oh, that's old Craig. I've known Craig forever right? I had a nickname for Craig when he was younger, and I won't use that one here either. Uh, but Sue will remember that one. But I don't do that because I think you need to respect your friends, right? I think you need to draw boundaries and say, no, we're going to respect this, you know, one another. And I think also, by the way, you need to give respect, but you need to expect that respect to be returned to you. One of the things that I used to do, I substitute taught for 22 years, and uh, it was hard back then. Pastor Craig, I can't even imagine what you're dealing with today. Um, I really can't. But every time I went into any classroom, and this started, oh, I said 22 years, this started probably within about the fifth year. It certainly started, I started doing this once I started subbing in the, the Garland District, which was 93, okay? And I would walk into the classroom, oh yeah, sub, yeah, right? And so, you know, because they're like, um, we're not going to have any work today or we're going to have a video or, you know, whatever. But I would walk in and I would write in huge block letters on the chalkboard, respect that word. And then I would start every class by telling them that I am going to give you respect. And the reason that I choose to do that is because I believe that you are created in God's image and I respect God. Therefore, I choose to respect you. You don't have to share my faith to benefit from what I'm telling you today. Then I would move to the next step and I would say further, I expect you to give me the respect that I'm giving you. Well, that didn't always work. I mean, some people are just, they're in it for themselves. Like I said, love is acting in the best interest of the other. And there's just a whole lot of people, the only person they're ever interested in is themselves, acting in their best interest, right? But I wanted to lay the ground rules out. Well, this should be a foundation for your friendship. So a lot of times dating relationships can deteriorate into situations where young men in particular become abusive. That begins with disrespect. That begins with not respecting your freedom, not respecting your no. Ladies, when you say no and he keeps pushing, you need to get out of that relationship. And I mean, get out of it now, right? And if he causes problems, then you need to tell whatever adult is in your nearest proximity and you get out of Dodge. 
Don't think you can fix him. That's not your job, okay? If you see that this person is showing you disrespect, simply step away. Now sometimes, uh, let's get out of the boyfriend-girlfriend relationship. This can happen among girls. It can happen among guys, right? And sometimes just stepping away from that relationship signals them, hmm, if I want this person as my friend, I need to treat them differently. I don't tolerate disrespect anymore. I just don't. It just, it gets under my skin and I, I'm just not gonna deal with it, right? You need to respect God and respect yourself enough that you expect other people to respect you. And I could give you plenty of examples and I'm sure you could give me examples of times when people did not respect you. Now I'm not saying be unforgiving. I'm not saying end the relationship immediately if there's disrespect that creeps in. Um, because what may need to happen is the next one, which is number four, communication. You need to talk and you need to listen. Communication doesn't just mean talking and getting your point across and impatiently tamping your foot and making up your reply as the other person talks. Uh, you're not listening to them. You're like, no, 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 I know what I'm gonna say. Keep, come on, finish, finish, finish what you're gonna say because I'm gonna unload on you. That's not communication. Communication is give and take. Communication is you, and we'll get into the next one in just a moment, all right? You honestly uh, telling them what's going on and what you think and what you feel. Ladies, a lot of times you're a whole lot better at this than, than men. Now this is not exclusively true. People have different gifts, but it is often true that women feel more comfortable uh, opening themselves up and communicating. And especially I've noticed women often are uh, better listeners than men. I have to be careful because if I'm around uh, a woman, I will often just keep talking. And I need to be thinking, do I need to be unloading all of this on this poor person? Right? It's like the finance ladies upstairs. I've known them forever, you know, like half their lives, more than half their lives or whatever. And, and then I get to talking and they're just both doing finances and, you know, they're good at multitasking. So they're listening to me and I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm bugging you up here, right? They're just good. You're just better listeners. If I had a counselor, I'd want a woman counselor. I'm sorry, dudes. I just, yeah. Y'all are like talking to brick walls. And I'm okay with that sometimes because I don't want to bear my soul to everybody and their mother, right? But being honest doesn't mean that you tell your friend everything, right? There's a level of trust that you've established and you're going to share with them in accordance with that level of trust. And what I often say is in a relationship, um, sharing with someone else is like an inverted skyscraper. Imagine a skyscraper that instead of going up, goes down into the ground, right? And as we descend from floor to floor, that relationship is growing deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And we're becoming more and more transparent. We're involving ourselves in more self-disclosure. There are probably things about you you don't want other people to know, right? Now, I'm not looking at anybody trying to make you feel guilty. That's just most of us. There are probably things you just, you would not want other people to know. And yet there's a part of you that wishes that there was somebody, there was somebody that you had the kind of trust and the kind of loyalty that would let you just open up without being judged, right? And that person could kind of help you through whatever that is. Maybe you're, you're struggling with some you know, addiction or something and you, you don't really want a bunch of people to know that because you don't want to be judged and you know, and you don't want to, you know, other people that are in the same addiction to know because you don't want to get into a, you know, uh, an environment where you're just feeding each other 
and, and pushing each other back into the addiction. But so you're in a relationship with someone and this happens in small groups. We're gonna start doing our small groups again. Pastor Craig will talk about those at the end of the service. Um, but when you share, you may go down a level of self-disclosure below the other person. You may open up just a little bit more than they're opening up. You may say something that to you could be a little bit embarrassing, right? If you didn't think this person was trustworthy. Well, they've proven to be trustworthy so far. So you're saying, all right, I'm gonna go down a level and I'm gonna say, this is what I deal with. And we're gonna see if they come down with me. If they just say, oh yeah, yeah, that's bad. Yeah, I got it, it's, that's terrible. I'll pray for you about that. Then you don't go any lower. You don't keep sharing all of these details. See, there are some folks that they just share every detail of their lives. These are the TMI people. Do you know these people? And that's like, whoa, 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 too much information. I, I didn't want to know that, right? I, I'm not ready to enter into that kind of relationship with you where I know all of those things about you, right? Just go down a floor. Just step into being a little more open than they are and see if they follow you through that elevator and go down another floor. And then what you'll find is that that relationship will open up and develop in intimacy as you keep descending floor by floor, right? Now this is where boyfriend-girlfriend relationships, you need to be very, very careful because you need to limit that level, right? When this is just a friend and you're not in a position to enter into the kind of intimate relationship that would be necessary when you go all the way down. That is a married relationship, okay? Um, so honesty and then six, and these are all interrelated. That's why you hear me talking about the next one while I'm discussing the previous one. But the next one is trust. Um, you can believe in a friend. Friends believe in each other. Friends are trustworthy. That means first and fundamentally, you don't share things about a friend that they've shared with you, right? You don't talk outside of the circle. So this is your friend and they've shared something, they've opened up their heart, they've opened up their soul to you, right? You don't run out with some other friends that you have and share that information. This is what breaks up friendships, boyfriend-girlfriend friendships, girlfriend-girlfriend friendships, guy-guy friendships, right? This is what breaks those up all the time, is this, this lack of discretion, we would call it. In fact, I remember the first church that I ever served in uh, uh, had a pastor that had made a lot of people in his church upset at him. And the church split, and uh, I'd say half the church, but it was really more than half the church, went and started meeting at the high school, the, the local high school there, uh, meeting in their cafeteria, and they formed a completely different church because they just couldn't stand the pastor. The other folks stayed behind, and they had the building, the property, the bank account, all that, and they stayed behind because some of them did or didn't you know, really like the pastor, but there was a problem with trust with this particular pastor. Well, he finally quit and he left. Another pastor came in to the, uh, the, the side of the church that stayed behind and had the building, and they called me to be their youth pastor. So I served under him. So I tried to figure out what went on with this former pastor that caused the split. And the only thing that I could tell that was consistent among all the people was that he wasn't trustworthy, that he had shared some things that people had told him outside of that circle of trust, right? So 
when someone shares something with me, I don't run around and start telling other people that. Uh, sometimes that in a church setting is under the guise of, oh, you need to pray for so-and-so. They're really going through a hard time right now. And then the person's like, really? What are they going through? So, you know, under the guise of prayer, I'm gossiping. Well, that's the worst thing in the world that, a, a, you know, a pastor can do. Um, there is confidentiality. When somebody tells me something, then it stays with me, right? Even teenagers. I'm going to tell you what I've done for years with teenagers. If I'm sharing with a teenager and they share something with me, I will tell them before they open their mouth, if this is dangerous and it's going to be harmful to you or it's going to be harmful to somebody else, then I will tell your parents. But if it's not and they talk to me, parents, I may tell them to go back and talk to you. But I'm not going to automatically just get on the phone and talk to you because they have to have some confidentiality as well. Um, I will tell you a, a situation. Uh, there were some boys that I was um, mentoring years back. In fact, it burned me out on teenagers for quite a while. And uh, all three of them at various points in time were caught stealing something. All three times when they were with me. Now, I used to deal in, I used to run a foster care group home. So I had kids that stole stuff all the time. And what we would always do is take them back to the store, get the store manager and have them give that back to the store manager and apologize. So, you know, I was the one that discovered this. One young man, uh, I didn't find out until a year later that he was the one that did it. I knew it was one of the three, but I didn't know who it was. So I was not able to do this. But the other two had shoplifted something from a store, uh, one in the mall over here, Firewheel Mall, and another one at a drugstore. And when I found out, they denied, 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 double down, denied, no, I didn't do it, I didn't do it, I didn't do it. I said, yes, you did. All right? Now, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go back to that store, and you're going to give that back, and you're going to tell that manager, I'm sorry. And you are going to go and tell your dad. And if you don't go to the store with me and take this back, then I'm going to tell your dad. Guess what happened? They took it back, right? Now, did they ever tell their dad? I don't know. But what they did was not harmful to them. It was not harmful to other people. Yes, it was illegal, but they were risking being arrested by going back and giving that back to the manager with me. Now, you may disagree with my methods, and I understand that. I'm not saying that my method is biblical, but I am saying that my method demonstrates that I believe in confidentiality. I think it's very important. If you tell me something, other people are not going to find out, right? So parents, if you're scared to have your kid talk to me, you don't know what they're going to, you know, they're going to say, I, I'm sorry, that's just, but I'm going to treat them the same way I would treat you, okay? But I will say this, teenagers, I, again, if you ever tell me something that is harmful to you or harmful to another person, then we will both go to your parents and tell them because they need to know, all right? So uh, that's, uh, that's trust. All right, you, you, you develop trust. And when someone knows they can tell you a secret and you're not gonna tell other people, then they're more likely to trust you, I would say. And then the final one is loyalty. Friends always have your back. Friends are faithful to each other. The commitment to a friend is offered freely. So it goes all the way back up to the first one, freedom. Loyalty is not something that you demand with an upfront commitment, right? right? So this is what happens with boyfriends and girlfriends a lot of times. You know, you're going to be exclusively mine. You're my man. You're going to be exclusively mine, right? But what I say is while you're young, 
Develop the kind of relationship where you trust this person and they trust you. And if you choose to spend more time with them than with other friends, then that's up to you. But you're not making this commitment in blood that this person has to take in order to be loyal to just you. Now, this is different, as you're going to see next week when we talk about Eros, because it's a completely different kind of love, and it is the basis for a completely different relationship. Every boyfriend-girlfriend relationship, husband-wife relationship needs to have friendship as a foundation before we come to Eros, right? There needs to be freedom, freedom to have other friends. There needs to be likeness, something in common. There needs to be respect. In the end, respect is the golden rule. Treat other people the way you want to be treated, right? That's what Jesus said. Communication, both talk and listen. Honesty, and I didn't say this, but let's, let's take the, the negative side of that. Liars make bad friends. You know, sometimes people lie to each other because they think they're preserving that person's feelings, right? Um, you know, you, you want to make them feel better, so you tell them something that really isn't true. Well, listen, if something's wrong in their life and everybody else is talking about them, don't you think the best person to hear that from is you, a friend, somebody that cares about them, somebody that wants to help them? So now I will say something to you all about last week. It's embarrassing. It is. My fly was halfway down the entire sermon last week. It was embarrassing, and I didn't discover it until when I, when I came down here and I did this, I went, oh, no. So I'm just trying to, you know, very surreptitiously. Yeah, it's embarrassing. But you know what would have been great is if somebody had come up to me and said, Pastor D, X, Y, Z. You got to be old to know that one. All right. Pull up your zipper. Well, I did get a text after the message and after the service. By the way, your fly was down the entire time. I was like, well, I can't do anything about that. Now, can I? That already happened. Right. But see, there could have been some of you out there and you, were, you weren't going to come running up to the stage and say, Pastor, 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 zip up your fly. Right. But if you were like, man, I don't want to embarrass Pastor Darrell. So I'm just not going to say anything and we'll just hope nobody looks. No, I want you to come and I want you to say, hey, you need to zip up your fly. OK, I've had times when and I don't know what my hair looks like right now. It's getting really, really long. I need to get a cut. Right. But I've had times when I've had just like some weird hair thing hanging out like this on one side. And, and I, I can remember at least on two different occasions, Pastor Craig has just kind of walked up to me and gone. It's sticking out, you know, like not too long ago, I was over at Intrinsic and I was talking to people and they were telling me, yeah, there, there, there's a hair hanging off of your beard. OK, like, oh, well, you know, so what I'm saying is these are frivolous things. These are, you know, things that are minor embarrassments and so forth. But the point is, if you really care about somebody, then you're going to tell them. Right. Uh, you know, if they've got funky breath, tell them, you know, man, dude, your breath is really kicking right now. <laughs> Right. I've done that before. I've, I've handed him one of those little Listerine strips here. Here, take one of these. Right. It's going to help you out. But you don't want friends that are liars, even if the lie that they're telling you is intended to make you feel better. But see, oftentimes this is where the disrespect comes in. This is where they're gossiping behind your back. You ask them a question. You try to communicate. You try to get them to be open and honest with you. And they just flat out lie. 
And you know because somebody screenshotted the text or they screenshotted the, the, uh, the Snapchat and there it is in black and white or whatever color your screen is on. And so you know that they're lying to you. This is a good indicator that that's not a good friend, okay? So take a look at those seven characteristics, evaluate your friendships, work on each of those in your own personal life. Now I said I would get into scripture. I'm just gonna conclude with this. Um, oftentimes friendship is not considered to be very deep. It can be. And a friendship can be very deep between two men or between two women. Often when a friendship becomes deep between a man and a woman, they end up deciding to get married, right? But I want you to understand that friendship is never sexual in nature, never. Friends with benefits is nonsense. The benefits cancel out the friendship. This person is no longer acting in your best interest, they're just feeding your desire, okay? Friendship is not sexual. Eros, romance love is sexual, right? So with that in mind, I want you to hear this scripture. Uh, you probably, many of you were raised in church, some of you, if you weren't raised in church, have at least heard the story of David and Goliath. Do you all remember that story? I'm not gonna retell it here. I'm gonna tell you something that happened in the aftermath. David went in and with a sling and a stone, just dressed as a shepherd boy, and took that sling and stone and popped Goliath in the forehead, knocked him over, then ran over, grabbed his sword and killed him. And right after that, David goes up to the king, King Saul, this is the first king in Israel, and uh, everybody's impressed. But you know who's the most impressed? The prince, the next king, Saul's son, Jonathan. Listen to this scripture. As soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would not let him return to his father's house. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him. And he, what you find is that he actually, that is Jonathan, actually he was the, the greater offering his friendship to the lesser. Now David became far greater than Jonathan because he was the next king in line in Israel. But that was a long way off at this point in time. And um, Jonathan loved David. He just, for lack of a better term, he just fell in love with him. He just like, I just really like this guy. He's amazing. Right. He's my type of man that, you know, he's a warrior and he's unafraid and he loved him. Nothing sexual about it at all. Right. But it was a very, very deep love. And it resulted in Jonathan uh, offering his friendship and his protection to David because Saul some years later became jealous of David and wanted to kill him. This is Jonathan's dad, the prince's dad, the king, Saul, wanted to kill David. And in fact, he chased David all over the wilderness for years and years and years. And Jonathan was always the one passing secret information to David to keep him from getting caught and to keep him from getting killed. That's how close his relationship was to, uh, to David. Now, in the end, uh, Jonathan continued to fight with, with his father against the, the enemies of Israel. The, at this time, they, that was the Philistines. And in a particular battle with the Philistines one day, Saul was killed and so was Jonathan. Now Saul had been chasing David around and trying to kill him, so you'd think that David would be relieved, but he wasn't. He was deeply, deeply saddened and he mourned. And this is part of a, a psalm or a poem that uh, David wrote about Jonathan. 
Um, he said, how the mighty have fallen in the midst of the battle. Jonathan lies slain on your high places. I am distressed for you, my brother Jonathan. Very pleasant have you been to me. Your love to me or your love for me was extraordinary, surpassing the love of women. How the mighty have fallen and the weapons of war perished. So David was saying that this friendship love that was offered to him from Jonathan, not a sexual love at all, but it was extraordinary. It was more amazing to him than the love of women. Well, he, back then they, you know, they had multiple wives. He understood romance, romantic love. And he had, you know, many sons and he had made love to his wives. And so he understood that completely. But he said, this unique love that Jonathan had for me, that he was just willing to sacrifice so much for me, is extraordinary, is deeply meaningful to me. So what I want you to understand is friendship's not cheap. It's not lower level. Oh, well, we're boyfriend and girlfriend, so we're up here. Oh, we're just friends, so we're down here. That's not true at all. In fact, finally, I will say this. If your marriage is gonna survive, if your marriage is going to thrive, you need to be friends. Because that friendship is going to perpetuate the marriage and continue long after the fires of desire die down. And they will, they will. You, you look at these old couples and they still sit side by side and hold hands and, and you say, oh, that's so sweet. Do you want that? That's not the flame of desire. That's friendship and it's deep and it's worth pursuing, amen? All right, above all, there is a friend, the scripture says that sticks closer than a brother. Um, Jesus told his disciples at the Last Supper table that they were now his friends. He said, I no longer call you servants. This is John 15, 15. I'm somewhat paraphrasing. I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends because everything the Father has revealed to me, I have made known to you. You want that kind of relationship with Jesus. You want to be a friend of God. And that's the number one friendship for you to develop if you're gonna have these other friendships. But I want you to have healthy friendships. One of the reasons why we're gonna jump into this, this time where we talk about relationships and hopefully help you to establish some new friendships and deepen others. If you need to talk with somebody about your relationship with Jesus, about establishing that friendship with God, I'll be up here, Pastor Craig will be over here, Miss Mary will be over here, and we would love to pray with you and talk with you about that.